The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Uh, I hope that you've, mothers, I hope you've had a, a good one so far. Mother's Day is a, is a happy day for a lot of us. Um, uh, we, as those who've had really good mothers, I, I have a good mother. I'm very thankful for my good mother. I, I hope that you're thankful for your good mothers as well. And and uh, moms today, hopefully you're thankful uh, for, for having good kids or maybe just kids. Uh, but But you're thankful for that. And but I realize too that even in the middle of all of the happiness that this day brings, there's also pain as well. That where some of you, you never had a mother, you never knew her. Or maybe some of you wish you had never known her. Or maybe recently you had to say goodbye to a mother. Or maybe uh, you as a mother had to say goodbye to a child. Goodbye for now at least. Or maybe you had to say goodbye to your child before you ever got to see him or her. And maybe you've longed to be a mother, but infertility is uh, the struggle that, that you have for now. Or maybe uh, you long to be a mother, but the Lord has called you to singleness um, for now. In the middle of this mingling of joy and also difficulty and pain, we still have a good and faithful God worthy of our trust and worthy of our praise. Let's start today by going to him. Lord Jesus, we trust you today. Lord, we trust that for those of us who this day is, um, is, is a day where we are just uh, thankful and just overwhelming with joy and, and happiness, um, Lord, we trust that, that you're happy as we're happy. We trust that, uh, that it makes, uh, puts a smile on your face um, for us to enjoy all the blessings that you've given us. But Lord, also for those in this room where um, today is one, maybe joyful, sure, but there's also difficulty. Maybe, maybe they're struggling with infertility. Maybe they're struggling with, um, with the, the distance between them and their loved one who's gone on before them. Um, Lord, we trust you here too. We trust you that in these difficulties, you're going to use them um, for our good and you're going to put an end to them one day. And Lord, the, the, the goodness and the grace and the gift that's waiting for us um, is so much greater that the sorrow we face now is not worth comparing to what's to come. So Lord, we, we thank you and we trust you this morning um, with our times. In your name we pray, amen. Defining what a mother does is really, really difficult, right? I mean, you think about all that mothers do. At some point, a mother, you are a chauffeur. Okay, like that, that's part of your, your deal. You just, you drive the kids from here to there and their friends from here to there. Maybe you're a medic. Yesterday we were at uh, a Mellow Mushroom and we were leaving and my son Jude, as he is prone to do, lost another battle with gravity and he fell and scraped his knee up. And my first, like the first thing out of my mouth was, Angela, right? I was, I was like, medic, medic, right? Like give me, give me a, a Band-Aid stat, right? I just like to say stat. Um, so, so medic. Maybe, moms, you are another job you do. You're a lie detector. You're a human lie detector. So I didn't like to go to school or church or anything, really. I just want to stay home. And so uh, I was sick a lot as a little kid. Now, here is the deal. If you're sick and you want to get away with it, you want to lie to your parents, you go to dad. Like, he's a sucker, right? Like, he, he's not around us enough to know what our tells are. So I would go find it. Oh, dad, I don't feel good. And he's like, okay, stay home. And then I hear my mom, nope. Uh-uh, 
No, you sound fine. You haven't even looked at me. You sound fine. You're going to school. And so, like, moms, you're, you're human lie detectors, and you're also, like, mind readers. That's the thing that's incredible. My kids are, are uh, four and younger, and so sometimes it's difficult to understand uh, what they're trying to say, what they're trying to communicate, and I, nev- I, I never know, right? My kids will say something that's just absolute gibberish, and like, I don't know, and Angela will look at me. They're saying sandwich. They want a sandwich. What's wrong with you? Like, I don't know how she does that. But one of my mom's uh, most important jobs uh, growing up, and one of Angela's most important jobs to our kids now, is to be a, a burden carrier, right? When there was something difficult, I brought it to my mom. It didn't matter how old I was. When a girl broke my heart, I mean, what, when I broke a girl's heart. No, all right, when a girl broke my heart, I went to my mom, right? I'm 17 years old, but where do I go? I go to my mom. Because that's what moms are. They carry your burdens. They can handle the difficulty. When there's, di- when there's like drama going on with your friends, yeah, you'll go to your other friends. You'll talk to them. But who do you always go to? You go to your mom, you know? If you, if you got a good mom at home, that's who you go to. She's the burden carrier. But here's the deal. No matter how great a mom I have, and I have a great one, no matter how great a mom my wife is, and she's the best, that doesn't, here's the, here's the reality. There are burdens that are bigger than them. There are burdens that are deeper than them. There are wounds that they can't come close to touching, right? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Although we'd love to be there. Moms, wouldn't you love to be there for your kids in every way possible? And when they come to you with a problem, wouldn't you love to be able, there's nothing more than you want than to comfort them and to fix it. Isn't that true? Isn't that what you want in this world? But the reality is there are things that, that we can't deal with. There are burdens we can't carry. We aren't, uh, we aren't made to be that. We aren't made to be those ultimate burden carriers. So this Mother's Day, listen to the scripture plainly. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden on the Lord. Throw your burden onto the Lord. Give it to him. Trust his strength. And what's the promise there? He will sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. So he will trust him with your burden, and he will strengthen you to endure. He'll give you what you need in that moment and not allow your faith to be overwhelmed and I also want to say it's, it's, it's worth noting here that this is a promise to the righteous. Who are the righteous? Those who follow the Lord Jesus. That's who they are. Those who God has put righteousness on them. It's not something that we, we ultimately are. It's something that he makes us. So this is a promise for believers. If you're not following the Lord Jesus, if you haven't surrendered to him, you can't just when you have a difficulty run to the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to give it to you and trust you. This promise isn't for you. These are for those who follow Jesus. So give your burden to the Lord. Trust his strength. And why don't we do that? We are so stressed out. We are a stressed out people. If you go to like a doctor's office or any, or, 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 or any place where they give away little knickknacks with their, with their information on it, you know what I'm talking about. Like no one cares about pins. What, don't you have at home a bunch of stress balls? Like remember when that was really popular, like people give you stress balls? That never worked for me, just sitting there squeezing. That never worked for me. I did find a way that worked though. I threw them at people that stressed me out and it made me feel better. That did make me feel just a little bit better. So I guess they did work, but we're a stressed out people, but we don't run to the Lord. 
And you know, today I want to look at someone, and, and she's a mother to be specific, who's a wonderful example of casting your burdens on the Lord and having Him sustain you. And we're going to learn, uh, we're going to look at a few things that she's going to teach us through, or the Lord's going to teach us through her story. Um, we're going to look at the obstacles that commonly stand between us and casting our cares on the Lord. We're going to look at what God does for us when we trust Him with our burdens. And then ultimately we're going to look at what it looks like to cast our burdens on the Lord. That's so, that's seems so abstract and churchy like what does that mean what does that look like so we're gonna we're gonna uh, look at that and I trust the Lord's gonna do great things if you have a Bible turn to first Samuel chapter one. First Samuel chapter one if you don't have a Bible there might be some under your chairs uh, or you can follow along on a smartphone or tablet or or whatever um, or just get real real uncomfortably close to your neighbor with the Bible and look on their uh, look on theirs and if you have bad enough breath they might give it to you so that's a that's a little insider church tip. Okay, we're going to be looking at the mother of Samuel, the mother of Samuel, Hannah, um, and she has a remarkable, remarkable story, and I'm just going to tell it to you. We're, we're, we're going to reference uh, the scriptures here a little bit, but it's a big chunk, so let me just tell you her story. Hannah was married to a really wealthy man. His name was uh, Elkanah, uh, and, and I, I've written down phonetically how to say it because I, in my mind, every time I say it, I keep saying Al-Qaeda, and that is not true, and that's not the message I'm sending. His name is Al-Qaeda, and he had two wives. The other wife's name was uh, Panina, uh, not to be confused with Panina. Nini, her cousin, this is Panina, and he had two eyes, which potentially was because um, Hannah, we see her burden was she was barren. She couldn't have children. It wasn't uncommon for, uh, for especially a wealthy man to want to continue his family line to go out and get another wife. And what's interesting here is a detail here in verse 5. It says there in verse 5 that the Lord had closed her womb. This is interesting. So the origin of this difficulty, the one who closed the room, it was the Lord himself, which should be comforting to us. You say, well, why in the world would that be comforting? Because the reality is he's completely in control. Like the Lord's not a victim of what we are a victim of. He's not a victim of the circumstances that victimize us. He's perfectly in control. And his word tells us that for those who love him, those who follow him, he works all things together for our good. So it should comfort us to know that even this difficulty is in the Lord's control. So once a year, Alcana and his family uh, would go and travel to uh, to worship, and they would travel to Shiloh uh, to uh, to the house of the Lord there, and they would uh, bring a gift, a peace offering. And it says there in verse six that her rival uh, Panina is described this this other wife, the sister wife, as I as I keep thinking about it, I always call her sister wife. This sister wife is called her rival, which is absolutely true. Anybody think anybody else? Anybody want a sister wife? Yeah, let's see how that works out. Her, her rival would mock her and provoke her. So she would go, they would go on this journey and they would get there and, and her rival, her, her sister wife, if you will, would provoke her and would mock her for being barren. And so the entire time they were there worshiping, she wouldn't eat. She'd be so upset and so hurt and so wounded. You know what that's like, don't you? When you've been so mocked, so marginalized, so uh, just, just so cast off that you don't even want to eat. You're just so upset. And that's where she is. Hannah is not eating. Um, and she, she's just, uh, she weeps. So she bitterly weeps while she's there the entire time because, because she's face to face with her struggle. And, 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 and uh, Panina's just making it worse. And then like Elkanah, 
loves her so much and shows so much favor to her. And if you read the story, you'll see little hints of favor that he gives her. He loves her so much. And so he says to her, he's like, he tries to help. And here's what he says in verse eight. What does it say there? Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than 10 sons? Like, so he's saying like, aren't I good enough for you? And, and he's not being a jerk. He's trying to help. But per usual, the husband opens his mouth and makes it worse, right? It, it reminds me of the story of uh, uh, there's a wife who is like, sh- like struggling with her weight, but she's trying to have a good attitude about it, like trying to laugh, like kind of laugh about it. And she went to her husband and after she got out of the shower, and she said, I figured it out. I figured out why I've gained all this weight. The shampoo I'm using that washes over my body, it's for extra volume in body, right? And so that's what's happening. And the husband, just trying to help, just trying to join in with the, with the fun and, and all that, he said, oh, well, the next time I'm at the store, I'll get you Dawn dishwashing liquid to wash with because it says it dissolves fat that is otherwise difficult to remove. And so again, like we don't always say the right things. And that's what Elkanah did. He opened his mouth trying to help. He goes, aren't I good enough for you? Why are you so upset? Like I love you and I, and I give you things and my affection is set on you. Like aren't I good enough? Just focus on me, focus on my love. It should be enough for you. And how do you think that made Hannah feel? She's probably sitting there thinking, she might be feeling guilty. Like is he trying to make me feel guilty? Like I don't love him enough? Or, or maybe she's thinking this, which is probably true, uh, she's probably sitting there thinking, you don't even know. You have no idea what you're saying, right? You don't know what this is like. And so year after year, this happens. And then something different happens here in First Samuel chapter one. She went to pray and Eli, the head priest there, is watching her pray at this, at this, this festival as she's there at the house of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and she wept bitterly. And here's what she prayed in verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. So she's saying, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him and give him to the service of the priesthood, all right? I will give him uh, uh, over here to to the Levites. They will take him, he'll serve in your temple and she was praying and she was praying silently but the scripture says she was so into her prayer that she was mouthing it as she said it you've done this before right where you're thinking something and you're so into it your lips are moving but nothing's coming out and you look like a crazy person and so imagine her sitting there and so her lips are moving and she's weeping bitterly has anybody wept bitterly and just been perfectly still <laughs> it doesn't, no, like it doesn't happen. When you weep bitter, it's everything, right? Like you need to stretch before you weep bitterly. It's like, so, so imagine she's praying and her lips are moving, no sounds coming up, but she's also crying. So she's moving and shaking. And so Eli looks at her and thinks she's drunk. And so he, he literally goes, hey, drunky, stop drinking. Like what's wrong? Stop it. Put the wine away. And that's not weird because this is a festival after all. Like a lot of people are there. And it doesn't matter how super spiritual you want to make your festival. You get enough people together, people are going to get drunk. All right? Like that's just going to happen. That's what, that's what happens. A party breaks out whenever you get enough people together. I don't care. What, if we stay in this room long enough, some of you are going to get drunk. I don't know how you're going to do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Some of you might already be there. That's fine. Stay in your seat. Okay, so, so Eli says, hey, stop. you're drunk. Put your wine away. And here's what she says in verse 15. No, my Lord, 
I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. So, so Eli realizes that, oh, she's not drunk. She's, she's pouring her heart out before the Lord. So he responds, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. So she goes away and she eats. Like something's changed in Hannah. And it says that her face was no longer sad. She was comforted. So she worships with her family the next morning and they return home. And guess what? She conceives a child. And uh, because, what does it say there? It says there in the scripture, she, she conceived a child because the Lord remembered her. So the Lord gives her this gift. And the next time they're ready to go, Alcana's ready to go. And he says, all right, it's that time of year. Let's go. And she's got Samuel and she says, no, let me wean him off, right? So let me breastfeed him and wean him off of the breast. And after that, I will bring him up and we will leave him there forever to serve in the house of the Lord forever because this is the vow that I've kept. Can you imagine how difficult that must have been for her? Yes, she made a vow and yes, she's happy. But now she's got to take this boy that she's longed for and dreamt about and thought about and prayed for and give him away. Like, give him to the Lord and go home. That had to be so incredibly difficult for her. But she does it. And she does it and praises the Lord while she does it. Something's changed about Hannah. So they bring him there. They present him to Eli. Eli worships the Lord because of what they're doing. They worship together. She prays an incredible prayer. First Samuel chapter 2, incredible prayer. It's the prototype to, to Mary's prayer in the New Testament. Then they return home. She comes back every year with a robe. Uh, and the, the scripture literally says, a little robe she makes for him. I love that picture. She, she makes a robe for him and the Lord blesses uh, her with three more sons and two daughters. And Samuel was a, he was a hoss. He was awesome. The Lord used him to transition from judges to kings. He anoints the first two kings of Israel. Like he's a, he's a really, really big deal. Um, it's an incredible story. And Hannah's a great example of someone who casts her burden on the Lord. And there's so much we're going to learn from her. And so let's get started here. First, I want to look at the obstacles she faced to casting her burdens on the Lord. Because I think the obstacles that tempted her not to cast her burdens on the Lord are the same obstacles we face, are the same things that get in our way and, we, and it, it gets us distracted and keeps us from bringing our burdens to the Lord. So number one, she was tempted to trust her strength and not the Lord. So she was tempted to trust her own strength. What would you be feeling if you, if you were in this situation and you had this sister wife here, right? You had Penina over here and she's mocking you and she's ridiculing you and you're just weeping bitterly and you're all upset. What would be going on with you? I wouldn't be trusting the Lord with that. You know what I'd be doing? I'd be plotting my revenge. That's what I would be doing. You know what I mean? I'd be sitting there thinking, how can I get her back? I'd be nursing that grudge. You know what I mean? I would think about what point on the trail between our home and Shiloh can I just push her in a ditch? Like, how can, how can I just really get back at her? And what is that doing? That's trusting your strength to make the situation right. And we're all tempted to do that, especially when our emotions are involved. We're all tempted to trust our own strength and say, you know what? This hurts so bad. Instead of being patient, instead of going to the Lord with it, I'm going to do something about it. And when we're dealing with a burden or, or difficulty, we're all tempted to do what we can, even if it's not helpful. We're all tempted to do what we can just so we're doing something, right? If someone's hurt you, you nurse the grudge. Why do you do that? 
We all know that it's not gonna help, but why do we do it? Because at least we're doing something. Like I'm doing something to deal with or counteract that, uh, that, that hurt that was done to me. If there's a situation outside of your control, what do you do? What do you do? Instead of casting on the Lord, what do we do? We worry about it. Where are my warriors? Where are my warriors at? Don't worry. Don't worry about raising your hand and people around you judging you silently. They are, but don't worry about it, all right? Like, why do we worry? Because at least I'm doing something about it, right? Don't you feel some sort of control there? Just by worrying about it. There's, I, there's, a, there's a, a, a mirage of control. There's, a, there's this false control there, but, but we do that. Or, or if you're in my category, I am not a worrier. I just, uh, I actively ignore issues. I actively ignore things that are difficult. Anybody with me on that? You're not listening anyway. You've already gone to your happy place, if that's you, right? Like, like for me, if it's something difficult, like I'll do everything to distract myself and completely forget about it. I'll sleep. Like I will go take a nap. And you might say, you'll take a nap at any point. Yes, I have four kids. I'm very tired. But uh, I will, like, that will be one of my coping mechanisms is I don't want to deal with it. I'll just go take a nap. Or like lately, thank God for technology, I will jump into a deep, deep hole of Netflix and I will just watch so many things and, and it'll just, and eventually Netflix will come up with that really condescending thing on the screen. Are you still watching? Right? Like, don't judge me, Netflix. And so anyway, like, I will dive into that just to not deal with it. And the point is, we all know that temptation to hold on to the hurt, hold on to the burden, and trust our strength. Go with our, like, here's how I'm going to fix it and not bring it to the Lord. We need to recognize that as a temptation that's going to take us further from our joy rather than bring, it, uh, bring us to it. So the second temptation, Hannah was tempted to trust the strength of others. So her husband showered her with affection and even said, aren't I enough? And the Lord absolutely puts people in our path to help us bear our burdens. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's wonderful. And that's, that's something we should, uh, we should trust and we should be involved in. But the temptation is to not let people be the main source of our help or be the main source of our encouragement or the main source of our comfort, right? Trusting their strength, trusting what they can do for me more than I trust what God can do for me because it's not going to work. We will fail. Um, my oldest uh, is, is four years old. His name is Maxim, which is a really strange name. And no, it's not from Dancing with the Stars. But um, when I was in college, a good friend of mine lived across the hall from me. His name is Maxim Sisoev. He's from Uzbekistan, which is a real place apparently. And uh, when, uh, he, when, when we were in my junior year in college, uh, he was killed in a car accident. And that's why we named our son after him, Maxim. And um, I remember in that, so he was in this fraternity I was in. And at the time, I was the president of my fraternity, and so uh, a lot of people kept coming to me with their difficulties and with their questions and, and just, just hurting, right? And I wanted to be for them. I wanted to be there for them. I wanted to be there for them as much as I possibly could. But there were some people who, like, I became their support system. Like, I need to be comforted. I'm going to go to Grant, right? I'm gonna, I would go back to my dorm room. We never locked our room. I'd go back to my dorm room, and there would be people sitting there on the couch waiting to talk with me. And I'll tell you what, after a certain point, it was more than I could bear. It got to the point where I wouldn't answer people's phone calls. I wouldn't return their texts because I was spent. Emotionally, I was gone. What about me? I'm hurting just as much. And so I was just as broken up and upset. It didn't work. No matter the will, 
there's a limit there. There's, a, there's an emotional limit. There's a physical limit. I am limited. You are limited. We aren't made to be the main burden bearers. We aren't made to be the main comforters or sustainers. That's not who we're made to be. Only God has a completely infinite supply of power and energy and comfort and strength. Remember the scripture, Psalm 121, three through four. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weak. The Lord provides people in our lives to help us and to comfort us. That's absolutely true, but don't fall for the temptation that their strength will be enough for you. It won't be. The Lord's strength, is the, he's the only one who's strong enough to bear our burdens completely. Uh, the third temptation, she was tempted to let shame and embarrassment keep her from the Lord. In two different ways. One, she was barren. So uh, uh, it, it carried a lot of stigma with it, right? Nowadays, it doesn't as much, but back then it carried a lot of stigma. So, so people would, she'd be thinking, what's wrong with me? What sin have I committed? What kind of, why am I being punished for this? So there's a lot of shame and embarrassment. She, maybe she didn't want to go to the Lord because maybe she thinks the reason she's barren is because the Lord's mad at her, right? So there's shame and embarrassment that keeps her from the Lord. Also, when she goes to pray, Eli thinks she's drunk. She embarrasses herself in front of other people. And so in that moment, she absolutely could have run away. She looked like a weirdo. She could have just run away or she could have like put on what we do, put on the fake happy Jesus smile. Like, how's everything? Everything's okay. My kids almost killed each other in the car, but we're good now. Like everything's, everything's good. Jesus is good. And we, and we pretend like everything's okay. She could have done that. She could have looked at Eli and said, oh, no, 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 I'm I'm good. We're all good here. Like, it's fine. We're fine. I don't want to burden anybody. And anyone else in here let shame and embarrassment keep them from going to the Lord with their difficulties? I, I do. And part of the reason is because sometimes there are burdens that I've created. They're burdens of my own creation. So I feel guilty. I feel guilty. Like, like I'm going to bring this to the Lord. Hey, Lord, I've messed up again. Help me. That's hard to say. That's really, really hard to say. And so I'll let that shame overwhelm me, which is silly, but I'll let that shame overwhelm me as if God's grace and his love is not greater than my screw-ups. That's ridiculous. But anyway, I will, I'll let that keep me from going to him. Or I feel guilty because I waited so long. I didn't bring this to him before. Or I tried playing A, B, C, and D, and you know what? He's playing E. That's disrespectful. I don't want to go to him. I'm embarrassed or whatever it is. This is, a, this is the same temptation for Hannah, and yet she didn't let it stop her, and we shouldn't let it stop us. And let me give you a scripture to hold on to with that. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Draw near to the Lord with confidence. And you know what you'll find? His back, he'll smack you, his backhand. No, what's it say? Mercy and grace in your time of need. So although Hannah faced all these obstacles, and we faced them too, uh, she brought her burdens to the Lord anyway. Can we look real quickly, what does he do for those who bring their burden to him? Go back to Psalm 55 too. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. Look at these promises here. He will sustain you. He'll strengthen you. Give the ability to endure. Look at Hannah there in verse 18. She said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate and her face was no longer sad. Something changed in her. She was strengthened in a way she hadn't been when she walked in there. What happened? She cast her cares on the Lord. She brought her burden to the Lord and the Lord strengthened her. 
She completely changed. She walked out of there comforted and encouraged, right? And that's the way the Lord strengthened her. That's what it looked like for her, comfort. That's what she needed. The Lord comforted her. Her burden was a wound that needed comfort, and that's the strength God gave her. And what you need as far as strength may be different. But the Lord's promise is strength, is to sustain you. So maybe your burden frightens you. So the Lord is going to strengthen you with courage. Maybe your burden requires wisdom and clarity so, that, so the Lord strengthens you with wisdom. Maybe your burden gets you worked up and anxious so the Lord strengthens you with patience. The main point is that Hannah brought her burdens to the Lord and he met her weakness right there with strength. He replaced her weakness with his strength. And he'll do the same thing for you. Look at the second promise there in that same scripture. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. If you bring your burden to the Lord and trust him, he will not permit your faith to be overwhelmed. On the contrary, he will stretch and grow your faith. Look at Hannah. That's what happened to her. She walks away from there with peace. And then look at chapter 2, verse 1. It's the start of the prayer she prays as she gives up her child to the Lord. That's got to be another burden. It's got to be another difficulty. And she says, my heart exalts in the Lord. But in chapter 1, verse 15, she describes herself as troubled in spirit. Something has changed here. What changed? Is giving up her only child, is that really easy for her? No, there's no way that's going to be easy for her. But what changed? She's not guaranteed more children. What changed? God grew her trust in him through her trusting him with her original burden. So she goes to the Lord with this burden of this difficulty. Lord, I'm overwhelmed. My heart is is crushed. I'm uh, I'm weeping bitterly. I'm not eating. I'm so upset about it. And she trusted. She said, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. Here's my burden. And he responds with strength. And he responds with comfort. And so the next time she's got to deal with something difficult. And I imagine giving up Samuel was difficult. The next time she deals with that her faith has grown she has that experience of the Lord being faithful and sustaining her through that difficulty and she draws on that and her faith has been stretched and grown you know uh, that's a promise of the Lord here in Romans 5 it says not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God grows our faith through these difficulties. There's no one in this room who's followed the Lord for any good amount of time who doesn't have one of these stories. We all have a story where we can say, this moment, this particular difficulty, when I trusted the Lord with it, let me tell you how he, how he turned it for my good. Let me tell you how he grew and strengthened my faith in a way I, could, I couldn't even imagine. I think about, like, just thinking of different examples in my own life, just there's a point in our marriage where we were dealing with financial difficulties. And you say, yeah, you have four kids and she doesn't work and you're a pastor. Yeah, I get it. But I'm talking about another time in our life. We were dealing with financial difficulties. Um, and you know what? We had to trust the Lord to provide. We couldn't do it. We, it was completely outside of our control. And so we had to trust the Lord. And he did. And guess what? My faith grew. It wouldn't have grown without the difficulty. It wouldn't have been stretched. I would have been comfortable and I would have been fine, but my faith would have continued to be weak in that area. And, and so uh, particularly, there are different times in my life where, that were particularly difficult. And through all of those, as I trusted the Lord, he grew and stretched my faith. And that's what he does. And sometimes we get it backwards. And we say, if I only had enough faith, I would bring my burdens to the Lord. That's backwards. 
You bring your burdens to the Lord and you let the Lord grow your faith. Let the Lord strengthen your faith. And you say, but when I'm bringing it to him, I, I'm, I'm scared and, I, and, and, and I'm bringing it with, uh, and, and with all kinds of trepidation. That's okay. You bring it to him. Let him grow your faith. The Lord did great things for Hannah as she brought her burden. And the Lord does great things for us as well. I want to look at this last thing uh, from Hannah. What does it look like to bring your burden to God? We'll pray. You talk to God. Yeah, you're right, but that's, thank you. Good job. Gold star, Sunday school answer. Like, okay, I get that. But what does that look like? What does it look like to, to bring our burdens to the Lord? When I go to the Lord and I tell him, this is my burden, what does it look like? Well, I think Hannah shows us. Number one, be humble. And, and when I say humble here, I, maybe, maybe what I mean is, is desperate. She was desperate. She knew God was her only true hope, right? There was no, I'm coming to you. You know what? I could take care of this if I only had enough time. You know, I just, I, I don't want it. Can you, can you take this off my plate? No, no, no. She's humble and she's desperate for God to show up. How many times have you gone to God as your backup plan? You know, or how many times have you gone to God as plan uh, three of a hundred other plans, right? Like, you know what? I'm just going to hedge my bets. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this and this and this. And then, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to bring it to God. Okay. And see what he does with that. But, but that's not bringing our burdens to the Lord. There needs to be a humility, a desperation in us where God, there is no backup plan. Lord, if you don't show up, I'm going to fail and I'm going to bomb big time. I need you here. And that's what Hannah did. And that's a, a key to casting our burdens on the Lord is desperation and humility before the Lord. The second thing, be honest. And she was honest about how she felt. Look in verse 11. If you'll indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant. She felt afflicted and she felt forgotten by God, overlooked by God. And she told him about it. Why? You don't have to play games with our dad. He's our dad. He can handle it. He knows what you're thinking. He can handle it. He's our dad. She didn't play games. She was honest about how she felt. And she was honest about what she wanted. There in verse 11, give to your servant a son. Now, she wasn't demanding. She was humble. She wasn't demanding, but she asked. She was honest about what she wanted. She was, she, the whole point, again, is transparency before the Lord. I'm not going to uh, uh, try to sell you anything, God. This is who I am. This is how I am. I'm transparent and I'm desperate and here's what I want. And James 4, 2 says, you don't have because you don't ask. Be honest with our dad. He can handle it. He can absolutely handle it. The third thing is be thankful. Her initial burden was being uh, barren, but I think another difficulty would have been her giving her son, going through with that vow, and giving her son to service before the Lord. Because she didn't come back and get him. It was, Leviticus allowed you to do that, to come reclaim your child. She had no intention of doing that. So it must have been difficult for her. What did she do in her prayer as she gives her son up? Did she lament? Like, oh Lord, I don't know why I made that vow. I'm so sorry. Please give me my son back. No, what does she say? She worships God and she's thankful before God. Why? What does thankfulness protect us from when we cast our cares on the Lord? You know what it protects us from? It protects us from despair. Because you know what? When we deal with difficulties, doesn't it, isn't that like all you can see and all you can focus on? Isn't that true? That's true for me. Like I can't, like that's why I try to distract myself because that's all I can think about. I get tunnel vision and I just see that difficulty and it's amplified and it's always completely where my focus is, right? Like in college, I worked a job. I was a appliance salesman. It's just as exciting as it sounds. And on top of that, it was commission only. 
which is terrible. That is just a terrible, terrible way to live because you will, you, will, you will lie to some people for some money, right? Like you will, oh, this refrigerator? Yeah, no, no, that's not a freezer. That's a microwave as well. You'll find out when you get home, let's buy three of them. Like you, you'll do whatever you got to do to make that money. And so I hated my job. I hated it so bad. And I would tell the Lord, Lord, get me out of here. Please give me another job. And it, it just, everything kept falling through. And I just had that tunnel vision of just, Oh, I just hate this so much. And you know what I missed? In that moment, while I'm so miserable because I hate my job, you know what I missed? I had a, I had a wife. Like we had just gotten married. I, was, I just married this incredible, wonderful, beautiful woman. And she married this on purpose, right? Like I, like I was missing that. I, I, I was in a school I loved. I had friends I loved. I, the Lord kept providing for us. I was on commission, but I never missed a meal. I know it looks like I did, but I never missed a meal. I had a family, I had a future, I had health, I had a, I had a car, I was, I was a child of God, do you get it? I had all these wonderful things, but because I wasn't thankful, I fell into despair and I, and I gave into that. So being thankful doesn't allow our burden to give us tunnel vision and steal our joy. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So cast your cares on the Lord. Be humble, be honest, and be thankful. I want to end our time um, a little, maybe a little differently. I don't know. Not too entirely differently. Um, whoever's doing music, you can come on back up and play a little play a little soft Jesus sound or whatever. Maybe they're not in here. All right. Uh, so anyway, just hum. Everyone hum. Just a song. First song comes ahead. Uh, anyway, oh, here he is. Okay, so here's, here's how I want to end today. So we have our scripture here today. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He'll never permit the righteous to be moved. I have to imagine that in a room this size with this many people, um, we all, uh, there's, there's probably a lot of people in this room who have succumbed to the different temptations to not cast their burdens on the Lord. You've succumbed to the temptation of trusting your own strength. I'm gonna do something about it. Or you succumbed to the, to the temptation to trust someone else's strength. Or maybe you're like me, you just kind of try to ignore it, ignore the difficulty and not really deal with it. I don't know. But here's how I'd like to end today. I'd like for us to end, the, the, they're going to play, and I'd like for us to end, um, we can sing together and that's great, but, but really, if you need to lay a burden down before the Lord, I want you to do that. I don't want you to leave this room carrying it. You brought it here, just like Hannah did. You brought it here. But leave like Hannah did. Leave it here. She didn't carry that burden with her. So she left. She's no longer sad and she worshiped. She was happy. She was comforted. I want you to do the same thing. So we're going to stand in just a minute. And, and if you want to sing, you can sing. And that's wonderful. But if you need to cast your burden, I'm going to invite you to do a couple of things. You can come forward. You can use these steps as an altar before the Lord. I'll be down front. I'm going to call our elders down front as well. And so if you want to pray with someone, you come pray with us and we'll pray with you. Maybe you need to make your seat your altar. You just need to kneel there at your seat. Maybe you need to lay down on your face before the Lord and you say, I'll look weird. That'll, that'll be weird. Yeah, yeah, Hannah looked weird. Hannah looked drunk. And the Lord met her in her desperation. Maybe you need to do the same. I don't know, but I want to offer this time as we sing as a time for you to lay that burden down. Just lay it down. Stop carrying it. He doesn't want you to. You weren't made to. You know who was? He is. He can carry it. 
And he's waiting to carry it. So you respond however the Lord's calling you to. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, um, I imagine you have great things for us in this moment. There's some who might have been carrying a burden that is weeks or months or years old. A burden that they've never considered laying down because it's too much. May they hear your call today. The call of a loving and powerful father to his children. Lay it down. I can handle it. Put it down. I have strength for you. I have comfort for you. I have wisdom for you. I have so many good things. Lay it down. Lay it down. So Lord, may we hear the voice of our Father this morning. Give us the courage to respond and to cast our burdens on you. So Lord, do whatever you're going to do in this time for our joy and for your fame. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us and we'll sing. Elders, would you come forward?